Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 201 and this episode sees the return of Louis Cunningham. Louis is now the lead of strength and power at Norwich City. I've been hunting down Louis over the past few weeks to try and get him back on the podcast. I really enjoyed our first chat, which was a long, long time ago now. So if you haven't checked that one out, go and check that out. That was back when Louis was in an academy role at Sunderland. Um, But Louis came back on the podcast and he certainly did not disappoint. This one is action-packed. It's packed full of information. You'll probably need a pen and paper ready to try and capture some of the um, information that Louis gives in this episode. We cover a number of different topics. We speak about his main responsibilities in his role as lead of strength and power, how that possibly differs to a role of an SNC coach or a sports scientist. We talk about how the club go about profiling players. Then we talk about individualizing programs within that team environment. Then we also touch on um, some finer details in terms of the programming, including how he goes from general to specific uh, preparation with the players, utilizing different planes of movement and how he periodizes that as well. And also touches on technology and how that helps within his practice as well. So it's absolutely, like I said, packed full of information, this one. So get your pen and paper ready. Just before we get into it, I just want to give a heads up on two events that we've got coming up. On Tuesday, the 13th of June, 6 till 9pm, we're going to be at the Institute of Health and Performance in Manchester, we had two speakers confirmed. That was Nicola Pitford, who's physio for Stockport Ladies, and also Amy O'Keefe, who's the performance nutritionist at Manchester United Women. But we finally confirmed our third speaker, and I'm delighted to say that Naomi Myhill, who's a PhD researcher with the FA and Leeds Beckett University, is also going to be presenting on the evening. The evening is going to be focused around the preparing for the next evolution of the women's game. So anyone working within women's football um, or an interest in women's football, definitely come and attend. We've got three brilliant speakers. I'm absolutely delighted with the lineup. A number of tickets have already gone, but there are still some available. So if you're interested, go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab, and then you'll be able to purchase your tickets there. And for anyone listening, thinking, oh, Manchester's maybe a little bit too far. I hope there's something down south. Well, there is. So on Tuesday, the 4th of July, 6 till 9pm, we're going to be back at Go Perform in Reading. Brilliant facility. We've been, we've had a meeting there before. We've got two brilliant speakers at this event as well. We've got Claudie Roche, who's lead physical performance coach for Arsenal Women, alongside Will Haler, who's Reading FC Academy sports scientist, Tickets are still available for this one as well. So go to the same place, go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and then networking events and you'll be able to purchase your tickets there. Now the good news is, I've said in the last couple of episodes, the reviews have taken a little bit of a a, a halt in terms of how many we're getting online. Um, But we have had an extra review. So we're up to 90 reviews now on Apple, which is great. We want to try and push that over the 100. So if you're listening on iTunes, please head over, leave us a five stars with a short comment. Just mention maybe the the guests you enjoyed the most, the podcast you enjoyed the most, or some of the things you've taken away from the podcast. 
And also, if you're listening on Spotify, we're at 78 reviews currently as I record this. So we do want to push that over 100 as well. And Spotify is so easy because you can't leave any written reviews. It is simply just a click of the button, click of the five stars. It really does help us out. So please do that if you've not already done so. And final order of business, a huge thank you to our sponsors, The Good Prep. The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cut meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite-level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set. Plus, you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com. And make sure you use code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. And I know a lot of people will be preparing for next season now. Um, So if it is something you're looking possibly for away days or even just um, getting some better quality food into your players, make sure you go and check out The Good Prep over on socials. Um, They literally are the best food, food prep delivery company out there. Also, a massive thank you to Hytro. We obviously spoke about it a lot in our previous episode with Mark. Um, so big thank you to Mark for coming on and talking about his experience. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sports teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure-validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe, and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. So check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or email teamsales at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. And finally, a massive thank you to Rezzle, doing some brilliant work in the world of VR. It was great to see them at the Soccer Science Conference recently and and presenting some of the research they're doing around heading. And let's get into episode 241 with lead of strength and power at Norwich City, Louis Cunningham. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 241. I'm delighted to welcome back onto the podcast. It's been far too long. Louis Cunningham, how are we doing, mate? All good. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I'm buzzing to be back on, to be honest. It's like you said, I think it's 2018 since we were last on. So a lot of crazy. (laughs) That's absolutely flown by, hasn't it? I mean, it, it doesn't seem that long ago, but I know. 
we were just discussing it there, and I think you're in the academy role at Sunderland back then. Um, yeah. I'm not now, so we'll update that in a second. So your your role now is different, which I'll leave it to you actually. Louis, can you give us a bit of background on yourself and take us up to what you do now? Yeah. Um so but this would have been in the podcast before, but I uh, I was a student at Teesside University from, from Middlesbrough. Um I went uh I, w- I was also a, a elite level boxer, I used to represent the country at um youth and then senior level. Uh, across two weight classes at senior level. So um, my background was receiving high-quality sports science support within my sport and, and and took a real big interest within university, being on like the TAS uh, athlete schemes and, and things like that and receiving all that strength and conditioning and being around good facilities and, and, and good members of the staff to help me. Um, so decided from a BSc of sports science to take a master's in strength and conditioning um from then uh went into my first role um at Gateshead uh Gateshead College uh which was in the northeast EIS which I was just exposed to loads of different sports uh including boxing of my own um you know so I learned a great deal on that when I was at Teesside just really immersed myself around loads of different sports uh the different blue chip companies that were the 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 university was linked with, uh, such as like the T-Tides, um RTCs and elite athletes from different sports. I got around Scottish rugby, which ended up taking a job there uh, um, after the, the Gateshead College uh, gig. So yeah, got went into Scottish rugby within their Exiles Academy, um, then started my first role at Sunderland in, in, 20, in 2014, which, which took me to around about 2019, which would have been when we last spoke. And um, basically at Sunderland, I got I think I got round every role at the club. To be honest, I was a physical f- uh, performance coach, um, and I worked around a number of different different avenues within within the academy. But had the opportunity, especially with with some of the great staff that were around at the time within the first team, you know, allowed me to come up and help them. Um, you know, with with Mike Clegg when when this when the club were in the in the Premier League, and then when they faced relegations and things like that, the sort of the first team staff really went went down to a skeleton, and the sort of depends on the academy lot. And uh, Paul Walsh, who's now at, at Stoke, was leading that up and and lent on me a couple of times. So I had great experience and just trying to get immersed in all in different. Uh, different phases within the academy and then getting around the first team players and it, it really set me up nicely. Um, I then moved to Middlesbrough Football Club, which I started off as leader of strength conditioning within the academy. And then throughout my time there, um, I got some good opportunities and, and I, I moved up to the first team under under Neil Warnock, um, um, uh, you know, working with good practitioners like like Brian English and, and Frankie Hunter and uh, John Thrower, um, so, uh, Johnny Madden. Uh, so you know, b- brilliant practitioners there again, learning, 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 and uh, and then I ended up um, having the opportunity to come to Norwich, and you know, Chris Domagala, um, who was the head of physical performance at the time, who was who was with Daniel Fark as the manager, he came and approached me and said, "Oh, we're we're we're, we're we've got a role here uh, as the latest strength conditioning within the within the football club, working with the first team. How does it sound?" And then um, I just thought. With the way that club's been run, with Stuart Webber, um, you know the infrastructure that's been built, you know the, the way they played football, 
uh, you know, they're the getting themselves in the Premier League and and and, and sort of bouncing in between the, the two leagues and and really trying to establish themselves as a Premier League club and uh, building a Premier League training ground, um, being innovative with technology and, and stuff like that. I just I just thought, what a great environment I can take with both fans to go and learn there. Um, so yeah, moved from one end of the country to the other, and it's been hard because I've got a, now I've got a wife and got a little boy who was born three weeks before I started my job. So it was it was all big challenges, but yeah, absolutely loving it from from now on. Yeah, brilliant, mate. I love that that you've touched on how much uh, well research that you did into the club and how many considerations you gave to the role and the people involved in the club as well. Because I think that's really important, Lou, isn't it, for practitioners? Because some people get offered an opportunity and they might just look at, like, what, the league the club are in or maybe the history of the club and they might not take into consideration too much else. And it was actually something that I spoke to Frankie Hunter about on on her podcast. She mentioned this as well. And I think it's really important, isn't it, for coaches to to consider that? Yeah, I think so. And, And, like, all the different environments you sort of find yourself in, you sort of have to adapt your practices. I think when you go for these job interviews, a lot of the time they ask, well, what sort of guy are you? Uh, what What's your philosophy? And things like that. I think a big part of your philosophy is where are you at? And then and then you, you sort of shape your own philosophy with the environment that you, you're being put into. Uh, what manager's in? What are the constraints in terms of infrastructure and facilities and technology? For example, when... When um, I was at my previous two clubs, you know, we didn't have, at the time, a forced X. We didn't have um, fixed frame dynamitry. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't have a 1080 motion, which I, I have at, um, at Norwich. So you, your sort of principles don't really change, but you sort of adapt. How how do you collate them? How do you individualise pro, uh, programming? How do you how do you profile your players? And that, that'll just change because of, of the of the cards that you dealt with really so um I, we'll touch on this later on in terms of the profiling but for, for, for instance i'm using the force decks now to to profile our players using like dsi and um and, and looking at the strategy of how people jump using the um using the different metrics that you get from a cmj for example where before i may have used jb murrin's uh, field test of of squat jump uh, loading, it, loading it differently and, and they both tell me sort of the similar same thing does someone need to work on um, is more velocity deficient or the more force deficient or the more of a mix based athlete but but you just have different ways of doing it. one's more gold standard one's more of a derivative from a gold standard test so you know and just by having them experiences throughout your throughout your career I, I just think it helps you and it broadens you and then wherever you do end up you, you can just adapt you know yeah I think that's the key word, isn't it? Being able to adapt in any role that you're in, in any environment. Um, No, that's brilliant, mate. This might sound like a really obvious question, Lou, but the reason I ask this is because you see so many different job titles used now. Um, And it's always interesting to see whether they mean essentially the same thing or there's slightly different responsibilities. So you're, you're, you're in charge now, lead of strength and power at the club. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, in terms of that, compared to an S and C coach, a sports scientist, what are your main responsibilities that you have now, day to day? Yeah. Um, so, so I'm I'm basically, um, you know, you you look at all the different roles that come around. Um, I'm a senior physical performance coach, working with the with, working with the first team, but um, 
the leader's strength and power is is the derivative of my role and and, and where I lead the provision. So we have our physical head of physical performance, Glenn Lewis, really good good practitioner, and he's the one who's day, day with the manager. He's um, he will he will manage his staff um, within our department, um, and then as my role, I I have some key key responsibilities of lead of strength and power. Um, so basically, what that is is I look look after the strength and conditioning uh, provision, where is it? It's mainly gym based, but obviously, as we know now, strength and conditioning is not just on the in the in the gym. So you know all the transfer work, which I'll, which I'll talk to you know using like um, resistance sprints and things like that. But basically, I'm 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 leading the the strength and uh, strength and conditioning around the first team squad, but also sort of helping and. and Managing, managing into the academy just so we've got a, a real one-club approach. And, yeah, when you're in the academy, um, and I've been in them roles myself, you know, things are totally different because of the people you work with. So it can't be too one-club, but I think the spine's the same. You know, when you're talking about growth and maturation and, and competency and things like that, that they're more... Um, lined in with the uh with the academy uh, provision but i think there's certain principles that you can keep keep solid but yeah my my role the strength and conditioning um leading on the injurious management as well um my role will um lend itself to leading most of the profiling that goes on in the in the club especially the gym based stuff which which we'll we'll touch on in a minute um and then in terms of the pre-activation uh, as well, um, we have daily pre-activation. I'll, I'll write and I'll talk about it again in time, but uh, we, we individualise the gym programmes, individualise their injurious management programmes, so they'll have stuff daily to do individually, but we'll, we'll get them in, into the group as a, as a team as well and, and do pre-activation and try and stick on the themes of what they're going to do out on the grass to real link in that transference from gym to grass. But um, but in terms of injurious management, that might go into pre-activation. It might go into minimal dose work across the week, where you might not be able to fit in a full gym session. So it's it's around their individual t- uh, muscle targets or range of motion or or uh, competency, etc. Um, and then the, the injurious management might be built into the actual gym program as well, in terms of like hamstring development, for example. So yeah. Um, all them different sort of facets in the club, uh, I will sort of take take lead on um, and and try and develop and push them forward. You know, brilliant. I know you sort of touched on it a little bit already, but can you take us through that approach that you take to profiling players? Yeah. Um, so again, different facets um, in terms of. Um, monitoring their capacities and physical qualities um, to try and individualise uh, the gym programme. I'll start with like um, measuring like the stretch, stretch shortening cycle, uh, force time and pulse analysis using the four sets. Um, so we'll do like CMJs, we'll do um, single leg jumps, um, we'll do a, a squat jump, um, we'll do some form of plyometric jump, which is mainly the, the um, Damien Harper's uh, hop test. Um, and we'll also do uh, a strength test, which is the mid-thigh pull. Um, from that analysis, we obviously have different decision trees um, where players will categorise themselves in different ways um, so we can sort of group athletes or, or individualise programming. So we use things like the DSI. So that's a that's a combination of the peak propulsive force within the CMJ. 
um, and the peak force that you'll get from the, the mid-thigh pull. Um, you will um, you'll divide them two together, you've got a ratio, and then one's uh, more velocity dominant, one's more force dominant, one's more mix dominant. And I mentioned that earlier with JB Morin's work, and there's been some some good work uh, looked at where you look at someone's force velocity profile, and you're sort of, if they're deficient in a certain way, you'll push that end of the curve to try and develop them. Um, and this is predominantly vertical, the vertical force vector. Um, but looking at that basic capacity, you know. Um, also within the CMJ analysis, we'll look at like their braking capabilities. You know, Harper um, in some of his deceleration studies linked he's linked um, you know deceleration to peak eccentric force. He's he's linked uh, to eccentric RFD um, within within uh, within braking, and that's obviously the downward phase where you haven't really switched on and get yourself up the counter movement, um, and also linked with that's something that might fatigue when when he's done repeated sprint training protocols. You know the the eccentric will fatigue, so that shows how that might be something measurable to 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 look at braking capabilities. Uh, look at the eccentric utilization ratio. Probably not the way that some do, but looking at um, I'm quite big on Bosch's work and how um, he he likes to joint couple and reduce that slack within the system. And being able to produce force or impulse or or something explosive without um, without a counter movement, so they're pretty much want to be bang on together. That's the way I look at it anyway. Um, the, the 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 squat jump and the CMJs try and get them as close as possible, and then we can see where the deficient lies as well from them. Um, with the single leg jumps, obviously that's a real good one for their baselining in terms of rehabilitation. Because obviously you're going to injure one limb and looking at asymmetry, and we'll look at like all the other things that we look at with the CMJ, like like I've mentioned the braking capabilities, the the, the durations, the so RSI mods are ratio again, and we look at a combination of like jump height and the duration you are within the within the count movement, and then things can also tell you a million things to do within within your programming. Um, so obviously at the start of the season you'll you'll get some good baseline measures and what we'll do is within all these sort of different tests that I'll talk about now and, and, and after here is we'll Z score them and, and see where they're fitting within the group, make our own thresholds, uh, off Z scores and uh, and over time because you're gonna have like what's the Norwich player? Over time we get all these different players in and they leave and they go. But in terms of what we recruit, uh, what what is excellent, what is good, what is bad, what is poor, you know. So uh, and then keeping on to the, the force deck stuff, uh, using the reactive strength index, um, you know, Ian Flanagan, that's really got some good data from, from that sort of stuff. Um, with He sort of set some boundaries, like or if you get a 2.5 or above, you, you're excellent plyometric ability. Um, if, you, if you're lower than 1.5, you, you, it's something that you really need to work on. We don't try and make our own thresholds off that, but um, you know, they're quite similar to what he's probably um, recommended, but we look at trying to make a quadrant of that and sort of uh, have you got some some lads who can produce uh, like the RSI mods can mods can they jump high, but they're not very quick at doing it, or they are very very quick quick in the CMJ or quick and off the ground and plyometric ability with their foot and ankle, or they've got a combination of the both and they're really good and then that top right hand corner or the the board and then, then that sort of just that helps your exercise selection in the gym and that's how 
when I'm talking about individualization, we're sort of individualizing through exercise selection at times because of how intensive an exercise needs to be or or whatnot. And in plyometric ability, you know, we can really chop and change and target different different facets, you know. And then um, in terms of that transfer work, we, we, we look at the force velocity profile and in terms of the sprint. There's been some good research coming out with different GPS units and we use stat sports and the stat sports unit now can, can work out a situ and, and also uh, if you just sprint at your 30 metres uh, with, a, with, a, with a protocol that's concentrated through our SOPs, we... Uh, you sprint your 30 metres and it works out your your sprint-based force velocity profile off the JB Morin's work in terms of FO, VO, Pmax, what slope are you, what's your ratio of force decrement, et cetera, you know. So we can we can individualise certain things in terms of their gym programme. So like we, we have the 1080 in the gym, we can take it outside, we do sled training and whatnot, and that'll sort of, we're working along that curve in terms of resisted sprints, sprinting and et cetera, you know. Um, and then, and then we in the past in my first season, it sort of went away this season a little bit um, because of how congested the period was um, in the championship and with the World Cup break and whatnot. But we do a lot of like the um, max max velocity and acceleration kinematic analysis. And like I mentioned, really keen on the Bosch work and, and whatnot. So. Um, you know, it, it, we use Jonas Dodu, and I know you've had him on recently. And what what a what a clever man, you know, and a great coach he is. And he's he's done some detailed analysis for us to interpret and 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 add our own. You know, is it a capacity issue? Is it a kinematic issue? Kinetic issue? Um, where so is it? He, he talks about um, projection, reactivity, uh, and exchange. You know, yeah. so. Uh, I use probably the Bosch terminologies, which is a similar sort of thing. You know, stiffness, uh, extension reflex. Um, can you can you whip from the hip? You know, things like that. And so uh, when he does his analysis, we can look at well, what a players' individual deficits are. And like you look at Mendy Gucci's analysis of you can change someone's max velocity sprinting, and it might help in terms of injury risk management. So if someone has an anterior pelvic tilt, for example, we want to be joint coupling and working on that trunk control. When they're running, using perturbations and uh, taking away hands and uh, using wickets or um, or even in the gym, using the aqua bags, overhead work and, and things like that uh, to real uh, accentuate that deficit within the uh, max velocity kinematics that might have been highlighted by Jonas, which uh, me as a practitioner can go away and, and, and target that, you know. Um, and, then, and then from there, moving on into our sort of like injury risk management screening, um we we look at uh, we've got a fixed frame dynamometry we use Kangasek at the club um so we use a mixture of like valve stuff uh, with a with a sex but we use Kangasek in terms of our fixed frame dynamometry and it's been brilliant not just for testing but for um having in the gym scenario and using as a piece of kit to 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 use them isometrics isometrics really really big at the minute isn't it everyone's mm-hmm. talking about it more sportsmith and natera and Lum and you know that it's it's really big so you can you can do your overcoming isometrics on the Kangatech it's great and it gives you feedback and you can monitor over time um but yeah we use a fixed frame down we do about 10 tests on there and do a big hip profile knee profile uh plant deflection um we combine that with the force x as well so we do a 
we do knee flexion on the Kangatech. We get a peak force. Doesn't have our FD on the Kangatech because it's fixed frame. So we do like the running um, hamstring specific, quite similar to McCall's work, but also Natera's work, and trying to find an RFD for that hamstring. And, and again, um, for something like the hamstring needs to be needs to have good force, but also needs good speed qualities as well. So we we quadrant that sort of thing as well. And um, and then again, looking at that hip profile on the Kangatech, adduction, abduction. External rotators, you know, big for jumping and landing and cutting. You know, to the, they st- they're the ones that are stabilising the knee, them mm. abductors and and, uh, and ERs. And then in terms of groin pain and big injury in football, um, you know, measuring adduction and ad- abduction adduction ratios, plantar flexion, all about the foot. You're only as strong as your weakest link, so we need to measure how how strong we are in in uh, with the an- ankle and foot complex. Um, I think with the, the hot summer that we had and um, and and the World Cup break and the schedule, it's lent itself around the country. We've noticed that there's a lot of stress sort of injuries, Tibant and things like that. So that's a, that's a big test that I think is quite important for us. Um, we do eccentric uh, measuring with the, with an odd board as well. We measure eccentric hamstring and that's something. All these tests we, we build in the gym programs as well. So we're not just profiling and whatnot, but these can be built in the program as well. And because we've got the technology there, we can measure as we train. I think that's more efficient, especially with first-team players who, yeah. oh, you know, we've got profiling today. You know, if you can get the force decks in the gym, you, the pro, and, and, you, and you stick to being rigid within within that exercise and, and your SOPs, you can measure as you go, you know. And then and then finally, from the, the, the fixed frame, the, the Nord board, the force decks, we do a little bit of movement screen, mainly in rehab, um, and at the start of the season, just to get a baseline, the we I use a couple of tests in the FMS. You know, we all know the problems of the FMS does predict injury and all them sort of things. But I think what it does, it, it just if you've never met anyone before and you've got a new signing and um, and you and you don't know what they're like and you've not had anything from a previous club, it's good for me to just know can they lunge, can they squat, um, can they hinge, um, what they're like on a single leg, uh, what's the trunk control like, all them sort of things in a real controlled. And, um, environment. I'll do a couple of tests on the FMS and it just allows me to exercise select. So if someone's got big, massive, long femurs and tight ankles, I might not give them, I'm not going to give them back squat, but I might give them a split squat variation because they've got lunging. Um, and then in the, I might work on their ankle mobility in their injurious management program, but I'm not going to develop their ankles and, and I'm not going to change the femur length in a gym program. So I'm wanting to get some good force into them or some good high velocity force or go on their individual um, force velocity characteristics. I don't even spend an ages working on their ankle mobility in the gym when I could be working on it in other aspects. So, yeah, it just helps, helps me with exercise selection. The Y balance is obviously a criterion-based test. Um, so when people have come back from ankles on the injuries, we might use that as a return, a return in the gym to when they're going to hit their next stage of rehab. So it's nice to have a baseline for Y balance. Um, and then um, having some form of like curriculum based within the academy and, and whatnot, which I've used at Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and and using and using sort of a um, a movement movement classification where they're doing these different movements in the gym and they're sort of hitting the different levels and progressing as they go. But I think that sort of lends it to the academy system because it's more a syllabus based system. But with the first team, you sort of you think about performance and you're mm-hmm. trying to look where you can train people. And again, in the background, developing little uh, bits of competency and, and whatnot, finding where they are competency and loading them, you know, when you can. 
um, because they are adults and they're trained adults and they're, and, they're, and they're strong, powerful boys, you know. So in terms of profile, that's probably, in a nutshell, taking you around it, you know. If you are a community member, Football Fitness Federation community member, there is plenty for you to catch up on because last week we uploaded a webinar by Josh Fletcher on career periodization. So it's going to help absolutely everyone, depending on, regardless even of your experience levels, planning out your career, making it match your values and your beliefs. If, it, if you're in a role where you're not happy for whatever reason, this is definitely one to check out. But even if you are, make sure you check it out because he talks through a number of different strategies on how to plan out your career to make the most out of it. That is available to watch right now on the community in the video section. We've also announced our partnership with edX Pro. edX Pro is a video CV library. So not only do you post your written CV, it also allows you to post a video version of your CV so you can show your personality and it allows you to post a video of your of you coaching actually in practice as well. So it makes you stand out above other people, a brilliant platform. Members of the community can get 12 months free on the community. So make sure you go and check it out in the member benefits tab of the community. There is also discount codes for our upcoming events. So members of our community get further discounts on the events for the event at Manchester Institute of Health and Performance, as well as the event at Go Perform. They are available in the network meeting news tab of the community, as well as presentations from our meeting over in Dublin from Des Ryan and Shane Murphy. You can go and check all of that out. If you're a member, log in and check it out. If you're not a member, the good news is you can get a 30-day free trial by going to footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab and sign yourself up there. It will give you 30 days to scan through the community and see what it's all about. After your 30 days, it becomes a, a paid membership. Still cheap as chips, literally. Um, but you get access to all the all the information that's currently on there, as well as some really exciting stuff we've got coming up. But the other side of it is you get access to our members WhatsApp group, which I know a lot of people find super beneficial. If you've got any performance questions, any issues that come up within your role, and you want hundreds of coaches to give their input on it, on their experiences, the WhatsApp group is the place to be. So you do get access to that once you become a full paid member. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign yourself up there for a free 30-day trial. Here's part two of the podcast with Louis Cunningham. Mate, that information is incredible, mate. Really, really good. You've gone into such great depth there, so I appreciate that. What I'm interested in now, Louis, is just talking about how that then, well, how easy it is and also maybe the process of actually individualizing those programs from that point. So you've profiled a player, you've got that information, you've got that data, um, you've got that sort of everything you need to essentially create the program for the player. And there's probably two questions in this. There's one, that initial creation of the program. And then there's yeah. also how that then works throughout a season because we know it's not just solely about the gym program we've got games and everything else to be taken into consideration so how does that then look in season um so yeah we so how we so it, it lends itself to periodization so um in terms of in terms of periodization it's it's um 
as you know, on a on a week to week time, it's ver- vertically integrated, um, where you'll focus on a physical quality throughout the day, and that's horizontally alterated throughout the week. So obviously, you want a natural taper throughout the week. Um, natural taper being in intensity uh, at the back end of the week, volume at the start of the week. When you're in the off season, you you sort of like trying to lay down them foundations, and you go on that sort of like general prep, which I call develop them general pre- preparatory exercises full range of motion um you know when i'm talking about the triphasic stuff that we put in like submaximal eccentrics maybe super maximal eccentrics um isometrics more yielding based isometrics um again full range of motion um uh, the concentric stuff just like lift trying to, trying to lift heavy through full range like long and strong injurious management targets again long and strong and um and, and, and trying to hit them quite generally. Um, in terms of the in-season, that's when the intensity will obviously raise. And throughout the week, you're targeting certain things, but you um, the, the the exercises are becoming a little bit more specific to what they might do on the field. You know, these. Um, so when you talk about that bondage model, you've went from your general to, to your specific preparatory exercises, which I call maximise. So, yeah, you're still probably in full range of motion, but the, the rep schemes might change. The intensity might might lift, but the volume is going to go quite uh, further down because you've got games to think of, and they'll probably lend themselves to that. That maximise is probably the end of pre-season, and then when you've got like real good Saturday Saturday weeks or or international breaks and things like that, you know. In terms of the next phase, I'd call optimise, and that's your, your specific development exercise with the bondage, and that's where you sort of like you're getting all your transfer work, your coordination work working partial ranges of motion. When you're talking about the triphasic stuff that we put in, you know, um, for the eccentrics, it's using like uh, accentuated eccentric jumping and, and, and plyometrics. So adding, adding, um, adding a snap into it or a snap down or a, or you might be holding a band on your pogos. Um, in terms of your, um, in terms of your strength work, it's going to be them faster sort of eccentrics using flywheels and, um, and, and and working over them real specific ranges of motion, you know, like where you're not going full range, but you're getting in and out of a specific range, isometrics, overcoming isometrics, um, very like the running specific hamstring exercise or the plantar flexion exercise where you're pushing against stuff, you're really, really overcoming something and, and you're working for speed rather than just for ramping force, you're working for exploding the rack and um and then your concentrics, you might start adding so like pneumatics and, and bands to your work, and you're working over partial ranges again. You might be doing partial ranges, squats, split squats, um, using the Kaiser machines for pneumatics and, and really just exploding and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that gym stuff will, will change in terms of the periodization and then in terms of when you go in the profiling. Um, that, that's where you, you'll start to individualise. So when you talk about how do you measure that sort of stuff and how do you keep it individualised um, individualized within the within the training programme is... So throughout a squad, just say we'll stay on the DSI stuff for now. So the DSI is going to tell you, are you force dominant? Are you velocity dominant? Are you, are you, you've got no deficit, you just mix. And you're going to float through all the full force velocity curve eccentric and isometric as well and um and what you'll do is uh, for the force lads you'll try and group them together the mix lads you'll try and group together the velocity lads you'll try and mix together 
and then you'll have you probably some players you don't chase from a from a physical quality point of view like kinetics you might you might look at you know what he's got a real low training age I need to just get him strong um, stay on a more general prep um, manipulate the volume so don't make him soft for the games and training and whatnot but you know he just needs to he just needs to build his foundations or in another case an older player I won't mention mention names on our squad but like an older player who has had a is that an abductor release? He's had a tendon. He's got tendinopathy. He's got um, he's got he's had a um a hamstring um tendon repair. He's um he's got chondral uh issues within his knee, and you know like this is one player, and you're like like oh well, there's all these different things that I have to adapt my program to. You know what? I'm just gonna work in the range of motion that he's allowed to train in. I'm I'm gonna take this out of the program. I'm gonna put this in. I'm gonna have a real big injurious management focus on that player because the biggest thing for him is not developing his performance probably anymore because he's he's in his 30s it's about availability and you know what when he does play we're a better team yeah. so the, the the his big focus is injurious management you know but then in terms of the individual programs we try and try and keep them similar to their peers within their group and they come in within their groups and their groups will rotate so some will come in first, some will come in next and whatever, and we have to rotate them because they'll kick off. <laughs> oh, why am I always last? You know, so <laughs> yeah, you're trying to keep them similar, but there's going to be different variations within their own program, and it's about getting manpower on the gym, um, about education to the player as well to be able to know what their exercises are. So like when I'm talking about some of the kinematic analysis, yeah, they might all be on a force program, but some might have a couple of tractor-based development exercises to work on his hip lock, for example. So he's working on hip lock, where in another force program, another player, he's working on stiffness because he, his foot just collapses into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then in terms of like the plyometrics, there might be a force dominant uh, athlete, but some might be on a low-level plyometric exercise selection. Some might be on an advanced because everyone's got all these different profiles, and it's about. Um, you know, having having the technology available in the gym, having having the interns, having um, the other performance staff around to help me because yeah, I'm leading the SNC stuff, and and they might be leading another provision, but we all help each other out. You know, I, I get myself on the grass one because I, I love the, getting on the grass and coach on the grass and something I real miss and I and and I definitely don't want to de-skill in that area. But also like to help my peers because they'll help me, you know. So many plenty of manpower. We'll only have little groups in the gym and we sort of get around them individuals. The technology works in terms of intent and uh, and measuring the principles that you want to get. So if someone's on a speed-based program and we're working on certain thresholds of speed, like your typical zones in terms of like mean velocities of like uh, over one two five or one point five meters per second and uh, or overspeed work and using like the bands to overspeed jumps and things like that and like that there'd be things that they might might be doing but having the having the output units there is great because um you're you're, you're measuring you, you you know the player is is hitting the right principle because they're lifting at a certain speed um and because and they're all on similar things there's going to be a competition element because the because we've got them in groups they're going to be on the trap bar jump, for example, it's going to be lightweight and they're going to be lifting for 1.5 metres per second and they're going to be competing. Oh, I'm lifting 50 kilo and I'm getting 1.5 and I've just 
1.75 and you only you know and they're all competing it's great um you know having the technology around the um around the around the gyms fantastic and and that helps your principles of training for an individualization in in that in that setting for me i think the other thing you mentioned before about technology is that importance of utilizing it not just like as a profiling tool so players aren't used to it but within so it becomes natural they just think of gym don't they because it because it's in the gym environment they just think oh this is part of the program yeah yeah no yeah definitely that um and like like you said you just you're monitoring them all the time like we use output in terms of vbt um that links into a home and we're just measuring people all the time you go on the leaderboards and they can see where they're at and yeah sometimes it can be a bit flawed because not outputs flawed, but in terms of them looking at someone else's flaw because they might be on a slightly different program, yeah. and they might be towards a load for for a power output, and the others might not have been, and they can't compare some things like flight, but within their own little subgroups they can, uh, and it, and it's great, and you're just monitoring all the time to see where people aren't getting a picture of that that athlete, and then and then when you bring it into the gym, so like someone for example, some key components what might not change unless it's a just like the odd individual is is maybe some of the like single joint exercises so for example on a certain period you might be doing like the running specific hamstring exercise with the four steps and they've got we've got the ipads out and we can see what peak forces in rfd we're hitting live so they're competing with it with each other but i'm i'm getting i'm getting valuable monitoring data and also like updated baselines where people sitting within you know it's, and it's just like all the time we've got a real comprehensive data department now in our club where we've brought in a data scientist data engineer we've got a data insights team and they've all been great with me like charles cullen uh, alex brimage um emily and they've, they've they've really really helped me in terms of building these dashboards and and having z scores to where people sit within the group um against all-time players where they sit within the Norwich player. And then we, it just allows us to target um, allow, allows us to target them them deficits to, to improve players or even just ma- maintain players as well, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's fantastic club with great infrastructure and it's just helping us all the time to make things better. Brilliant. I think the other important point you mentioned before, actually, was when you mentioned about the, the older player and... See, it's essentially working out where you fit within their preparation, isn't it? That we don't always have to strive to get players quicker or whatever it is. Obviously, there's a need for that at times, but you have to you have to realise, don't you? And I suppose it's the same approach as what you were talking about before in going into different roles. You've got to look at it and think, this is my tool, this is my skill set. Where do I fit with each individual? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and yeah, this is why. When I when I was boxing, I'd have expected an individual program, and and I'm shocked to see how many sort of like sessions you'll you'll see that are just on the board, and I, I can't get my head around that because I just think yeah, not every program needs to be totally different, but the buy-in that you get that it's going to be individualised for one, mm. hitting people's deficits. If we've been so so uh, anal and, and 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 pedantic on what we're measuring then there's no point measuring it if you're not going to use it. So just it allows us to to really hit the player and the buy and you get that they know it's individualized. And 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 like you said, like you just have that many different uh players from all, all different walks of life. Um 
you know, at different parts of their career and they just need to be hit correctly at their points because it's the cost benefit of SNC sometimes just it, the cost outweighs it. And like if you go chasing stuff in certain ways because someone on Twitter said you should do, it's like that could be disastrous because if you if you lose a player because you want his two saw or you or you've aggravated his um his chondral issue and his joint because he's joint compromised, it's not worth it because these guys run a lot of money and and availability has to be uh, at the forefront as well as I mean I'm a proper performance orientated practitioner and and I work with some unbelievable physios at, at Norwich, you know, with Chris Burton. Damien Boyer, um, um, Mikey Burrows, you know the, the the three really really good practitioners, but rightly so the the the, the physio practitioner and the performance practitioner, as well as Glyn does and Jay Jay so Smith does, we're all button heads at times in their multidisciplinary team meetings. But it's we all want the same thing. We all want availability and we all want to develop performance. But they come it from a protective side. We come it from a performance side. And just by having that nice balance where we might have to butt heads and have a little disagreement now and then, it gets the right outcome because we all care and we all want what's best and, and we all speak daily, one, in a formal setting of meetings and two, just at dinner and over a coffee and we're just constantly... When we get home, we'll be, we'll be, it's bad really for work-life balance, but we'll we'll be talking about a player on the night on, on WhatsApp or on a phone. Me and Glenn will just ring each other. What do you think about that today? And it's just like an hour goes by and, and little George, my little boy, needs put in the bed. And, you know what I mean? It's, and <laughs> bad thing, but we all care about, about our jobs. We're dead passionate and, we're just, and we, we just want the best thing for our players, you know? Yeah, brilliant, mate. Louis, one thing I just wanted to touch on before we move on to the quick fire. That, that information is incredible, by the way, everything that you've covered so far. Um, it's just how you go about structuring and periodizing around planes of motion, working players through different planes of motion, how that fits within their program. Yeah. Um, so the we obviously profile the um, the horizontal work and the vertical work. So we we embed that in within the gym program. We embed it within the the grass program. We've got like an IDP system at our at our place where. You know uh, the data, the data, and the innovation team. Uh, something that they need to record and see what what are players doing. These are the de deficits. Are they doing them? And and we have these ECM meetings all the time, and we discuss these. And we're all about the uh, individual development plan. A little bit like what academies like with each other. People, we um, so yeah, we we individualize. We we might be on the grass, and we're we're doing some of the sled training. That that's your horizontal vector. So we we combine within a gym program. There'll be some horizontal work in there derived from the profile, and there'll be some vertical work in there derived from the program. There'll be some injury single joint targeted stuff derived from the profiling, and also uh, depending on maybe what your position is or what you need to develop in terms of like your kinematics, we'll have frontal plane work in there. Um, you know, the keepers, for example, they do a lot of frontal plane work because that's their kind of their horizontal, if you like, yeah. because they're moving to the side so much. So you try and have them, especially in in season when I talked about like the um, specific prep rate exercise and specific development exercise, and even like your maintenance with your competition exercises. You, you try and hit specificity at times, and in season is probably the time to do it. So yeah, hitting frontal plane, using the ten eighty, using the Kaiser, um, using bands outside, using the sleds, crossover sprinting, 
drive into boxes from a strength orientated. It might be like your your contact squats, your crossover step ups, your curtsies, curtsy lunges, all them sort of things. Um, loading them uh, appropriately with are they more force dominant? They're more velocity dominant, and that's where they're integrating the program. Um, using things like the Vertimax as well. Again, 1080. 1080 is unbelievable. Like the the data that you get back from it, and uh, to real know that you're hitting that sort of principle um, for things like your crossover sprints, or you or you are you trying to work around P max from um, from your your 10 meter accelerations because you because you want to you want to hit um, a force dominant a force deficient athlete in terms of sprinting the over speed stuff and even like the deceleration stuff. Damien Harper's work's unbelievable, and some some of the stuff that we've we've brought in is is like that overspeed and with deceleration using the 1080 um and and getting out as well using a specific pattern like across like a crossover or a defending pattern or a jockey pattern or or whatnot so they're having a real you're really accentuating the eccentric and the braking capabilities in that scenario and they're having to get out and produce some form of frontal or transverse pro, uh, or different plane that they might be working on um so that's a real real big um key part of my programming is is not just thinking of a lot of the vertical stuff where it's easy to manipulate force velocity it's the horizontal plane uh horizontal force vector um frontal planes transverse planes and try and be as specific to movements as possible when when it's appropriate to do so brilliant mate absolutely brilliant louis we'll move on to some of the quick fire questions um to wrap the podcast up the first of which is, I know you've mentioned a few people already, but give us a few standouts. Who've been some of the biggest influences on your career so far? That can be people you've worked with or just people whose work you've admired. Yeah. I think in terms, I'll start with the admiring one, um, in terms of work I've admired over, over my career. The first person I can think of is when I was in university and I was doing my master's degree and I was, I was um, when I was uh, receiving strength and conditioning support, uh, I can remember I wasn't the best um, mover and they probably had to lay foundations on me and a lot of that like Kelvin Giles, Gray Cook, Vern Gambetta and like real laying them coordination stuff and when I sort of entered them um, academy roles they really helped me to, uh, write them syllabuses and, and competency plans and things like that uh, because it's all about function before force and, um, and when you're trying to build a, a toolbox with a young athlete I think it it's so so important, and uh, and that was probably my philosophy when I first started, and it was like I got really really interested in, in into it and in, in skill acquisition coordination, um, uh, laying them foundations down, you know. So pretty much them at the start. Um, more recently, um, I think there's been some brilliant stuff out there uh, from Jonas Dodu. I think he's he's fantastic at what he does. Um, in terms of like the kinematic analysis, and and to be fair, I was looking at the kinematic analysis before before I stumbled across Jonas. And my first time I stumbled across Jonas was in around 2019. He did a workshop at Millsville Football Club before I worked there, and uh, I thought, oh, he's brilliant. Um, and you know, I so, saw, uh, but I was I was analysing max velocity mechanics, acceleration me- mechanics, and he just he just gave me so many tools, you know. Um, to, to take away and 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 progress on with 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 my learning, um, Franz Bosch, big uh, big fan of Franz Bosch's work in terms of the the coordination aspect and the transfer and and whatnot. 
Um, and he was probably someone I studied before. I fell on fell onto Jonas's work and the pot of go hand in hand. Uh, JB Morin's work with the with the profiling in terms of the uh, used to use the squat profile, the squat jump profiling quite a lot, and and how you force velocity profile and then the sprint profile. It just makes so much sense that you'd profile vertically and then horizontally, especially with team sport athletes that need to jump and sprint. Um, and then. And uh, I, I was really, especially in the academy, I was really big on on coaching and delivery because I am a coach at the end of the day, and pedagogy is massive. And um, Nick Whitmanman was someone I really took an interest in, and that implicit learning and working with the youngsters and the development around the frontal cortex and everything like that was was really really big. And then now we're periodized how you coach within the gym, so like it might be more implicit towards towards near the game because you're trying to lower cognitive load, and then it's more explicit at the start of the week with Things like um, using feedback on an iPad or or whatnot, or, or you know, so depending on what you do, and that just gives he just gave me so much um, so much ammunition in terms of uh, how I coach. Not just I do a lot of different things. I just didn't know why I did them. Yeah, and then finally was just a, all the people that I've came across in my career have just been so so helpful, and you probably don't realise at the time. Um, you know, when I was at when I was at Sunderland, you had Mike Clegg as the head of strength conditioning. Um at Adrian Lamb, who was the head of physical performance under Sam Ardice, really, really, really good. Scott Ainsley, who who hired me, it was the it was the lead sports scientist now with the first team, but was the academy. And the, um, you know, uh, James McCarran came in and he was really big on implicit learning. He was the one who forwarded me on to Nick Winkleman and helped with structure a week and stuff like that. He was really big on and then when I went to Middlesbrough, I talked about some of them, Johnny Madden, Frankie Hunter, Brian English. Brian English has been a great mentor for me. You know, what a guy he is. Um, and then now at Norwich, like, I'm just immersed with, like, top-class practitioners. Like, one of the reasons why I wanted to go, it was so well-staffed and and they bring in specialists to what they want to do. So, you know, you had, when I first arrived, Jay was leading the performance within the academy. He's now with us as a senior physical performance coach. He's, he's class. Glenn was... Uh, the lead sports scientist at the time um, when I first came in, but like what a what a good practitioner he is. He's learned a lot from Nick Davies at West Ham, and he you know he tell and, he, and he's just like unbelievable on the grass. And some of his drills, I learn every day from him, especially when I'm taking a, a player outside for rehab and stuff. I'll use his drills and whatnot. They're brilliant, it's a, especially like incorporating the ball and whatnot, and getting your principles of training across with the ball and not uh, and stuff. And um, and how he how he's informed by data using the playmaker units and using the GPS and he's he's really really good. Um, Chris Domagalo was a good practitioner who brought me in and I'm really really grateful to Chris because he he's the one who gave me that opportunity. But another great practitioner and just some of the management staff I've worked with like Daniel Fark, um, now David David Wagner. Uh, I love De- working with Dean Smith and Shaky. And then all the managers at the previous clubs, you know Jonathan Woodgate, Neil Warnock, just all in different experiences. Just you don't realise until you actually get asked the question how much like you've learned from all these different people throughout football. Brilliant. What would you say your biggest strength is, Louis, as a practitioner? Um, imagination, I think, with um, you know, I'm always getting bantered by the players because I, I end up making an exercise up and like they're like, Louis, what's this on our programme is called? <laughs> and ask another performance practitioner at the club and it's and they're like Oh, it's one of Louis' exercises to go ask Louis. Do you know what I mean? So, I think the imagination of exercise selection and 
and using principles to link that exercise selection to get what I want out of it. You know, I think that's one of my strengths. I'm a, I'm a grafter and I'm a hard worker, hard working. Um, I'm a coach. I, lo I love coaching. I'll try and use as many different styles as possible, depending on who I'm working with. I care a lot and, I, and I'll always put the athlete first. Um, yeah, probably about it, I think. Um, yeah. Brilliant, mate. And then if you were able to speak to Louis way back when in the in the Gateshead role, like you mentioned before, what would be your top bit of career advice? Um, I think uh, I think be patient. I think, uh, and I've had this in times with junior practitioners venting frustrations or, or interns venting frustrations, and I've like listened to them and been like, oh, I can remember feeling like that. Yeah. And what I mean by being patient is. I think every time I've went in a role, and it's that, um, it's, is it the Kruger model where you like, yeah, doing Kruger, and then you you get in and you're dead insecure. Well, yeah, I'm insecure now, you know what I mean? <laughs> all ten years, and um, but I can remember being at Sunderland and being at um, Gateshead and uh, pretty much them two, and just thinking like I knew everything, and I now. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I'm better than them practitioners now weren't. Like looking back now, I was nowhere near. It's probably a good thing that I was confident and I thought I was good, but like, I was nowhere near. And I would probably thought like, oh, I need to rush and find the next role here and this and that. I ended up doing five years at Sunderland and I learned a hell of a lot and got around like different things. But I, I think I was just just wish I was a little bit more patient and just try and be a bit of aware of my surroundings and um and 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 try and take as much in as possible, which I think I did. But yeah, I think patience is a big thing, especially some of these practitioners now that think they should be earning massive money and working, doing the warm-up uh, for Man United in the Premier League. And and realistically, like it's not the be-all and end-all to do that. And just like just take your time. You're going to be brilliant. Just keep learning. That's great advice, mate. What is your approach now, Louis, to CPD, continued development as a coach? I know you mentioned a hell of a lot of good people around you, so I'm sure you're learning on a day-to-day -day basis, but is there any sort of strategy that you take to that now or not? Um, I, In terms of strategy, we, we have a comprehensive PDR pro process at, at work and we, we need to tell them where we want to be. Um, if they might not be just at this club, it might be in the future. You know where we want to be, and how can the club really help you? And they'll and the club's really big on CPD, and also sharing CPD within the place. So if you do ever go on anything, you you, you come back and you present what you've learned. Yeah. So that's that's that that's brilliant. So that really really pushes you. I've always been quite motivated anyway. I'll always be reading books. I don't ever read for the sake of reading. I don't understand these people that sit and hold and read, but I'll. <laughs> I'll read sports science stuff and I'll, you know, from a job. And, you know, if I didn't have to read, I wouldn't have to. I'd watch a film or a book. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I read, I read a lot um, from a job. Um, I, uh, I'll try and attend as all the many conferences as I can. Um, now we're in North, but we're nowhere near any of your uh, football <laughs> federation. But not yet. I, not yet. I, was, I was a regular attender when we were up in the North East, wasn't I? So yeah. I try a conference as much as I can, you know, UKSA, Bases, yourselves. If, um, if there's any workshops going, I love them. You know, I've seen Jonas uh, do a workshop. I've seen Bosch do a work workshop. I think I'll learn off them. Um, you know, uh, the the online ones with COVID have been great in terms of conferences and, and things like that. They've been good. So, yeah, I try and get 
I try and do club site visits. It's quite a big thing at our club to go see another site. Like we're building a uh, state-of-the-art recovery centre, which should be done in October. And um, some of the lads have been going to some of the best training grounds in the country to see, like, or oh, is always going to be up to scratch and what do we need in this recovery centre to make it the best? So, yeah. like, we go around other other sites and pick their brains just so we can make our practices as good as others and try and nick ideas and whatnot, you know. So, um, yeah, big on CPD. I think it's important. And as soon as I lose the, lose the motivation to do CPD, I need to change career, I think. <laughs> no, it's a good point. Louis, the last podcast we did, Went down yep. really, really well. I think this one's going to go even better, mate, because there's been some absolutely incredible information in there. If people want to reach out and they want to chat, they want to ask about anything that we've talked about, where would you direct them? I've got a Twitter, which is, um, you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's LP Cunningham um, with an underscore. But if you type in my name, I'm sure I'll come up. I've got an Instagram. I've tried to do a performance Instagram, which I think you've got. It's called Cunningham Performance, but I don't really put anything on there. I've got a private one, which I, I accept S&C coaches. I just don't accept random Forex traders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my, my proper Instagram, which is private, if they want to hit me up on there, that's um, that's, just, that's just my name, I think, Lewis Paul Cunningham. Um, uh, and then other than that, uh, LinkedIn. Um, Brilliant. You know, bits on that so linkedin instagram twitter the three things that i go on and then my email is my first name l-o-u-i-s dot cunningham at canaries.co.uk so if they want to get in touch about anything feel free to email me brilliant mate louis it's been absolutely quality thank you very much for coming on it's been far too long and we won't <laughs> leave it as long next time i feel, yeah. feel like there's so much more we could dive into with everything you spoke about so you're welcome on any time mate and it'd be nice to have you down and do a and do a workshop or a conference at Norwich, um, especially when the recovery centre is built and we can we can maybe sort something like that out. I think it'd be brilliant. And now turning ground present and maybe welcome someone from Ipswich or or whatever. We'll leave, leave that to you because you're the expert. But yeah, I'll be up 100%, for that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's do it. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. Well, I hope you found that as beneficial as I did because that was one of the most action-packed and information-packed episodes I think we've had on the podcast. So a massive, massive thank you to Louis. I apologise for peppering him with messages to try and get him back on the podcast, but I'm actually happy that I did because I feel like he's covered so much information in a short space of time there. So I hope you took plenty away from it um, in terms of the profiling, individualising programmes, and basically what the approach that they're taking at Norwich sounds absolutely first class. So make sure you go and check him out. He's Louis Paul Cunningham over on Instagram. He's LPC Cunningham. Um, sorry, LPC and then the C continues into Cunningham underscore on Twitter. And also he's on LinkedIn as well. In terms of takeaways from this episode, I think one of the important things was what he mentioned at the start about the research he'd done on not only the club, the coaches that were at the club, their style, and what he'd actually be needed to be doing within the role, how that fits into his philosophy. There was a lot of information rather than just looking at the club badge and thinking, yeah, that's going to suit me. So I think that's a big takeaway for coaches when you get offered roles. And then also in terms of the profiling work they do with the players, making it become the norm for players so they've just seen it as gym work. 
So not just doing it as a testing day or a profiling day. When players are getting used to carrying out certain exercises, it becomes the norm to them. So um, they come a little bit more used to doing those types of activities. I think that's really important. Getting long and strong off season was another little thing that I wrote down, which Louis mentioned in the episode as well, um, in terms of some of the movements that you're doing and the way that you approach the the uh, training programs with players in the off season. And then another really important one, figuring out where you fit within a, a player's preparation. So he gave an example of a more experienced player and deciding that it's not a case of getting them faster and stronger. It was actually a case of just trying to make them available. And once you've decided on that and realized that that is your role within the team, maybe that changes your approach a little bit. Um, But essentially, you're there to support them, keep them on the grass. And once you've decided that and you've figured out your role with them, I think things become a little bit easier in terms of periodizing and programming as well. So I'm sure there's so many more takeaways um, from the episode. So I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. And like I say, I feel I feel like it was absolutely information packed. So I really appreciate Louis giving up his time and also you for listening as well. If you've not left us a review, either on Apple or over on Spotify, please, please head over and leave us a five star. It really would um, help the podcast out massively. And also make sure you go and check out our sponsors, the Good Prep for meal prep delivery services, um, Hydro doing some incredible work around BFR and also Rezzle in the world of virtual reality, doing some brilliant work. And anyone that was at Soccer Science would have seen Ben presenting some of the work that they're doing as well. So absolutely first class. Go and check them out. At the very least, please go and give them all a follow over on socials and you'll keep up to date with what they've got going on. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I certainly did. And I will speak to you again next week in episode 242.